0: ncia's cannabis industry voice begins now
1: hello thanks for tuning in to another episode of ncia's cannabis industry voice i'm your host bethany moore the communications project manager at the national cannabis industry association today we're bringing you a special episode brought to you by ncia's committees so today i'm going to pass the microphone to noni goldman who heads up operations and technology at Four Trees Management Company and serves on NCIA's cultivation committee. Noni is experienced in large-scale cultivation and production and is lead designer of research and development programs. She'll be interviewing two cannabis farmers today about cultivation best practices. Thank you for taking the reins today, Noni.
2: Thanks so much, Bethany. I'm really looking forward to speaking with our guest today. On today's show, we've got two growers from Colorado and California. We've got Cody Hitchcock, a horticulturalist and grower from Smokey's Cannabis Company, who has researched and performed field trials with a variety of plants and organic growing techniques in an effort to create sustainable and economic solutions for producing high-quality crops. We've also got James Cunningham from Fog City Farms. James is a native of Santa Cruz and the founder and driving force behind Fog City Farms and Vertical Air Solutions. Fog City Farms is a leading edge vertical cannabis farm located in Watsonville, California. Hi guys.
3: How's it going?
4: Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going?
2: Excellent, i uh, so glad to get, have you guys on the show. Uh, let's dive right into some questions. Uh, Cody, how did you get involved in the cannabis industry and why?
3: I went to CSU for horticulture and did crop production there. And I always had an interest in biological sciences. I then spent some time working on small organic farms, growing a diversity of plants and selling the produce through CSAs, farmers markets, restaurants, and farm stands. And controlled environment ag started to really appeal to me after working on farms, performing all this hard labor in all sorts of extreme environments, and I'm highly allergic to pollen, so the absence of male flowers in this industry is quite fortunate for me. Uh, So anyway, I was in kitchen management during the off-season because of Colorado winters, and decided it must mean something that cannabis was legalized in Colorado the same year I graduated with a horticulture degree. And... I admittedly had been a cannabis enthusiast for quite a long period of time, but I didn't go to school with this career in mind. And after a number of failed attempts at trying to simply find a grow operation to give my resume to, everyone was so secretive at the time, you know, I finally met someone who had that magical connection I needed. So then I just started at the bottom and moved up pretty quickly. And I just love the science and production at the same time. And nobody talks about biology and physiology and traditional farming for the most part. and The accelerated learning is incredible. In traditional ag, one year equals one harvest, but with three flower rooms, for instance, in a single facility, one year can equal 15 harvests. So this creates tremendous potential for research in plant physiology, medicine, nutrition, and beyond. And I've seen this plant do great things for a lot of people. And the company I work for has such a great passion and honesty in its people and its culture. And that's what's really kept me here, where I am now at Smokies.
2: That's excellent. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people say one year in the cannabis industry is like dog years, uh, just at the pace of acceleration. Uh, James, how about you? How did you get involved in the cannabis industry and why?
4: Well, I grew up um, here in Santa Cruz, California, where uh, Prop 215 was initiated back in uh, 96. So uh, cannabis culture is very prevalent here. My generation of Santa Cruzians and um other counties in the state were have, have kind of grown up in this industry. So, um, laboratories, retails, cultivation, um, so many people from my generation are now uh, professionals in this space. And I feel very fortunate to have had the exposure that I've had um, throughout my entire professional life. From uh, the top 215 days, which was the medicinal market, the trials and tribulations of learning how to grow in less than ideal uh, conditions definitely taught me how to how to mitigate certain issues um, in horticulture, and how to mitigate the cannabis market um, in the most competitive and um, and established consumer culture really almost on the planet.
2: That's excellent, um, and for you to have such an insight into the nascent industry and the, what it is now, that must be quite a big change from when you first started in the industry. Let's talk about your farm and your professional values and what you guys are up to in 2020. Uh, Cody, tell us a little about Smokey's 420.
3: Okay, sure, so uh, we're Smokies Cannabis Company. Uh, actually, we're just changing names over from Smokey's 420, but that's still our motto, so to speak. We don't just try, we really do put consumer and environmental health at the front of our business. Uh, we have two storefronts and one cultivation facility. We approach sustainability and health in a number of ways, like implementing customer recycling incentive programs, uh, sustainable packaging solutions, community service, etc. cetera. Uh, we are one, if not first company in the industry to get a true zero waste certification through GBCI, meaning we divert over 90% of what could go to the landfill, away from the landfill via reuse, recycling, composting, and closed loop systems. In the cultivation space, we, of course, work to conserve water and energy and the like, but a large part of our efforts goes towards waste reduction, especially when it comes to soil and plant waste, which are commonly discarded in large quantities in what I think is safe to say the large majority of operations. And I think the main aspect of our consumer health protection comes comes in the form of reducing the use of pesticides. Research on health effects and combustion and inhalation is in its infancy, to put it optimistically. So we hold ourselves to a much higher standard than what's legally allowable, like not spraying anything synthetic and not spraying developing flowers with anything at all.
2: That is amazing, really, above and beyond uh, going from what the current regulations are, and seeing that you can do better. Uh, true zero waste. I haven't heard of anyone um, going after that. That's congratulations. Uh, James, tell us a little bit about Fox City Farms.
4: Fox City Farms is, um, again, based out here in Santa Cruz. We are a um, very much rooted in the culture of cannabis here. Um, we're, for, for lack of a better word, a family-based uh, company. Um, The majority of the group has been working together for most of our lives, and and we have a ton of experience with this plant. From a practices uh, perspective, we are working as hard as we can to make this indoor cultivation platform the most sustainable platform possible. Um, As Cody mentioned before, when you go indoors, uh, you're able to optimize your crop rotation and create a consistent crop schedule year-round instead of being Kind of dictated by the by the natural photo period um so so in doing that um obviously you have to supplement light. you have to supplement your environmental controls really that is no matter how you look at it a very um very high power consumption sort of uh, uh footprint and so and so we're focused primarily on reusing those resources and being uh and, and reducing our carbon footprint so we focus on LED lighting. We focus on capturing all of our condensation uh, and reusing our water. We're almost 100% sustainable on recaptured water. We focus on, a, on, um, on scaling respons- responsibly so that we aren't really pulling as much from the grid as, as many of the other horticultural practices. And we can keep things isolated and treatable and consistent. So really, it's a, it's a cultural-based business model rooted in the industry and we are trying to optimize our rotations going forward to make sure that we create the most sustainable indoor platform possible.
2: It sounds like you guys have some cutting edge tech. Uh, And what's so interesting about this industry is that there are so many different ways that you can grow. Uh, In today's show, we've got representatives from California, Colorado, uh, Massachusetts, um, and there are just different ways to go about it, but with all the same intended goal of sustainability. can I ask smokies for 20, uh, Cody, how big is that operation?
3: We are about three thousand square feet, so we're we're on the smaller side of things, and we just have the one one facility, three flower rooms, and a, a veg area that's too large for a veg area. you know we're in a retrofitted facility.
2: Awesome, uh, James, how big is Fox City Farms?
4: right now, our r and d facility is thirty six hundred square feet. And- California has. Um, there's been some hurdles in the licensing process. We have um, uh, roughly, uh, depending on, on how we take 20 to 50,000 square feet of indoor space that we're going to be developing over the next year or so. Uh, so everything we do is definitely, definitely a modeled, scalable platform in, in anticipation of of, of growing at, at a much large, larger scale than what we're operating at right now.
1: Well, this is your host Bethany Moore, and we're going to take our first commercial break, and then be right back. Stay tuned.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors Hey, take a look at this They're selling smart pots They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out 2000- garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved
2: by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS
1: today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make
2: itself. Hemp Inc.
0: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we are hosting a special episode with NCIA's Cultivation Committee, so I'll hand the reins back over to Noni Goldman from NCIA's Cultivation Committee. Thanks, Noni.
2: So today's show, we're focused on sustainability, which is a big concept, um, but let's define some of the biggest issues in cultivation first and then go into a deeper dive on some of them. To list some of them off, sustainability can include power use, water usage, microbiology, soil science, HVAC techniques, pesticides, lighting, the list truly goes on and on. So let's start by asking each of you what one aspect of your operation is that exemplifies sustainability and cultivation.
4: At City Farms, we are very focused on, on energy consumption. So our first step in this direction was looking at LED lighting. Uh, essentially, for a very simple metric, for every for every one light we used to get with HIDs, we get two now with the same wattage consumption. So naturally, what you start to think of there is is you know the amount of lights that you're able to cool with the same HVAC system, which is essentially double. So instead of building a two sto- you know a two story building in order to get two canopies, you can build a, you could uh, build a racking system within one room and put that on rolling racks and create a multi-tiered scenario uh, within one room being cooled by the same HVAC that it would have taken to uh, to cool, you know, double the lamps. So um, we're taking that approach and and applying that towards air circulation. Um, we're applying that towards uh, labor. We're applying that um, towards our vegging and, and, and rotations and sustainability and trying to make sure that that we are reducing our carbon footprint, uh, optimizing labor and streamlining the um, amount of, of, of uh, costs that go into producing this plant, because let's face it, at the end of the day, um, these margins are gonna shrink considerably and we're gonna need to produce much, a much cheaper pound on the, um, on the wholesale side of things in order, to, in order to compete in the market that is very drastically uh, becoming super competitive
2: yeah definitely important um to keep an eye on that operational efficiency did you start with hids and then upgrade to leds
4: yeah we ran hids for um i'd say uh, the better part of a decade before we got into leds um i uh you know started looking at leds and, and realizing that that a huge shortcoming and and kind of stigma that revolved around um the led um, solution was the was the light intensities that you're able to achieve with LEDs, which are far less than HID. So um, um, it's not that you can't achieve them, you just have to get much closer to the lamp. And so I realized that in doing that, there needed to be a solution in controlling the environment, because if you're going to get closer to the canopy, you're going to get closer to that next tier. And so we invented a solution at our space called Vertical Air Solutions that Creates a, a, a homogenous environment tier to tier in the vertical farm, which allows you to put multiple canopies within one space, which optimizes your footprint, reduces your costs, and and um, you know streamlines all of those other factors that we've been discussing in regards to sustain you know sustainability.
2: And let's not uh, forget that it's also a lot more pleasant to work under LEDs than it is uh, HBS or HIDs.
4: That's
3: right. It, it very much is. <laughs>
2: Uh, thank you for that. Cody, tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys are up to.
3: Sure thing. So it's Smokey's cannabis company. Our, one of our main aspects is sort of growing with our organic mentality. And so we like to call that regenerative soil, also known as living soil in this industry. And it means using your growing media indefinitely. And it also implies an, uh, an abundance of life, You know, mostly microbial life in the soil itself. Most people don't realize that cannabis growing media is often used one time, then mixed with plant waste, all of which should be compostable, but then it's thrown in the landfill. And in nature, nothing gets thrown out. So we grow with a living ecology, mimicking nature, and with soil microbiology, worms, arthropods, and the like. Uh, we recycle plant waste and reduce inputs, particularly synthetic or chemical inputs. And we reduce our need for these inputs specifically through reducing outputs. So a lot of these waste cycle back into the pot. And plant microbe associations are vastly complex and both types of organisms produce an abundance of organic compounds beyond what you'll find in a hydroponic solution. Uh, Microbes can help increase plant health and vigor as well as pest and disease resistance. Uh, They've even been shown to increase nutritional and medicinal value. Healthy plant immune systems that stem from healthy soil ecology allow for decreased use of pesticides, and so does using beneficial insects to help control those pests, which also increases ecological diversity. Uh, So we're trying to mimic nature as best we can to limit inputs by limiting outputs, which is good for the earth and good for your bottom line. And in my opinion, it also decreases consumer health and safety risks associated with man-made chemicals. Um, i think most folks just don't understand the vast density and diversity of life that exists in healthy soils and how that microbial diversity is truly one of the cornerstones of a healthy earth and a healthy human population um, a quote from the usda for instance is it goes something like there are there are more soil microorganisms in a teaspoon of healthy soil than there are people on the earth and so we're talking about millions of species and billions of organisms in a single teaspoon it's quite staggering.
2: Interesting. Are you um, growing in uh, big soil beds? Are you doing individual five gallon pots? Um, how are you reusing your soil?
3: Most of our pots we have right now are 30 gallons which is a fairly large pot but we also have a 32 foot raised bed that we keep our mother plants in. and. Um, you know, we reuse those over and over again. Right now we actually have the pots on casters and we roll them from one place to another. And we're on our 13th round of, you know, recycling the soil or planting right back into that soil over and over again. So it's, ba- it's been around a while and we came from hydroponic growing and when we changed over to organics, we just saw increased benefit in yield and quality and pest resistance and plant health and vigor and everything involved. So really, we just, after we turned this corner, we decided to never look back.
2: That is an interesting concept. I know a lot of people go consumers when you're first getting into this industry. Uh, that's something that people look for. Uh, how uh, is it organic? And um, what is the process that goes into it? Uh, a regenerative soil, for the most part, a lot of the different grows that we see are using synthetic. They're using cocoa um, because it's economical and it's easy to do and it's foolproof. Uh, when you were working with your board of directors and your investors and you wanted to focus on regenerative soil and organics, was that any difficulty in convincing them that that was the way that you wanted to go?
3: No, I'd say it wasn't a difficult thing to convince them of. I mean. It, it, it was a huge change, so there's not, there's not really a bigger change I can think of uh, to undergo in a cultivation space than from going to, from hydroponic to living soil. But all in all, it, it really wasn't too challenging um, to make that switch in general, but it, there are challenges as you go along. There's a learning curve for sure, but soil can be a lot more forgiving in hydroponics in a way, but you also need to stay out in front of any problems that might arise because it also takes longer to fix them. Um, but uh, our investors, I would say, helped push this forward because our, we really wanted our company mantra to be consumer health, environmental health, and you know, organics goes a long way with that. And it is hard right now because there's no product differentiation. People don't really recognize the difference between what's truly grown organically and what's not, because that word's not protected in the cannabis is in food crops because of the lack of federal regulation.
2: Right, right. Uh, James, when you upgraded your facility to LEDs and vertical growing, can you tell us a little bit about what that process was like?
4: When you're used to working on a single tier platform, uh, accessibility is is much easier. Um, your plants are close to the ground. You don't have any need for for changing your elevation uh, in regards to workspace. So
2: um,
4: that's a huge hurdle. And and when you look at um, an operation at scale um, on an annual basis, and 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 how efficiently people are able to work tier to tier, and how comfortably people are able to work tier to tier, all those things start to um, start to affect uh, the sustainability of the business. So um our main goal is to make sure that that our people are comfortable and that our people are able to work efficiently at multiple at uh multiple elevations um obviously everything else um is uh, becomes a challenge as well like delivering uh fertig, fertigating it at different elevations and and running water at different elevations and um and the um uh, thermodynamics that that you face in the space and having making sure that that everything dries out consistently and you can create a consistent environment because you're essentially creating barriers that um, that extend across your entire cultivation space, which which uh, blocks transpiration and, and uh, blocks uh, conditioned air from being supplied. So um, after we developed vertical air solutions for controlling the environment, we realized that we created a much more consistent reaction throughout the entire space. So we got um, consistent light intensities. We were able to maintain consistent, uh, relative humidity levels. Um, our pots were drying out at consistent rates. Um, and, um, and really, you know, the, the main thing going from here is, is how do you, how do you work five tiers off the ground? You know, when you look at lettuce, cause now, you know, I'm working with different produce, uh, uh, producers throughout the, throughout the world, uh, with vertical air solutions, because, you know, not many, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, when you get into the horticultural space, it's very easy to look at lighting and and nutrients and genetics and these kind of more romanticized inputs into the space. But really, you know, none of those things are going to work for you if you don't put those into the correct environment. Right. So, so for me, my first step has always been environmental and even in the more traditional horticultural space, I feel like there has been somewhat of a shortcoming. So, so we're working the largest producers of, um, of leafy greens and microgreens and um, edible flowers and different things like that that are that are more established in this in this space but um, you know maybe didn't quite have the ability to look at environmental conditions the way that we did because of of where cannabis is in the market and the margins that we're able to 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 maintain um, and the needs of this plant um, that that were really kind of found in this really established indoor uh, cultivation culture that, that taught themselves how to do things. So, um, so it's interesting to get into this, to the more kind of traditional horticultural space and bring some of the things we learned from cannabis and, and make them work, uh, you know, allow them to work more optimally at different elevations because, um, you know, working, uh, working 16 to 24 feet off the ground is definitely a challenge.
1: Awesome. Thank you guys for that. This is your host, Bethany Moore, taking you into our final commercial break. We'll be right
0: back. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's A Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio.
1: Hey, it's Nick Hexham from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. Now I'm ready to turn the
3: page on yesterday's episode. Down. Now I'm willing to
0: disengage to seize the day of the war. Doc Robb, the concierge for Better Living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, and our Cultivation Committee has been taking over this episode, so I'll hand the reins back over to finish up. Thanks, Noni.
2: Thanks, Stephanie. In our final segment today, uh, we're just going to give a shout out to both of our farmers who've been on this show, Cody and James. Thank you so much for your time, your insight. Uh, It's been super informative, super, super insightful. Uh, Thank you both for your time. Um, Let's Let's give a big appreciation to NCIA uh, for letting us have this podcast takeover. NCIA's 10-year anniversary next year, as uh, so we're looking ahead and making predictions to where our industry will be uh, 10 years from now. Uh, Cody, where do you think our industry will be in 10 years?
3: Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a big question that I think everyone has a lot of conversations about in this industry. But uh, from the standpoint of using regenerative soil, I. I think studies on the enhancement of secondary metabolites such as cannabinoids and terpenes will have opened up research and production modeling in the rest of agriculture that will cater to growing for enhanced nutrition over just pure weight. And with roots as a natural medicine and as part of a holistic lifestyle, I think organically grown cannabis will be even more popular than the organic foods in the grocery store right now and consumer health preferences seem to be headed more and more in a sustainable direction as many of the causes behind our health issues and global environmental issues become common knowledge. So ultimately, uh, I think there's a lot of good things to come.
2: Yes, I absolutely share that with you. I think that there are a lot of things outside of the cannabis industry that are going to have parallels with how legislation is passed. Uh, everyone's concerned about climate change, about energy consumption, and that will see its way into how states are regulating their uh, their licenses. James, where do you think we're going to be in 10 years?
4: Um, I agree with Cody on the uh, secondary metabolites and, and, and terpene profiles being something that uh, it really needs to be explored much more than it is right now. Um, a lot of that is an imposed kind of uh, state of the industry and looking at the results and, and different things like that. But I also um, I also farm a vineyard and am very much involved in the um, wine industry. And you know I think there are some parallels that are to be drawn between more established horticultural spaces, especially in consumables and kind of. Boutique style crops, right? So um, I'm looking forward to getting back outside as well and doing my outdoor farms and and uh, and and getting focused on on kind of organically farming outdoors and um, and and then looking at sustainability indoors as, as things become more commoditized and and you need to operate at scale and efficiently and and maintain margins and um, comfortable workspaces. So as you know, really in 10 years, I think we need to be ready for the industry to grow to where it's going to. And if we want to have more you know, careers in this, in this industry, and we want to stay able to, um, to be relevant, then we need to, um, accept the growth in the space, but we also need to maintain, um, the cultural element and the history of the space and, 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 maybe we get back to that, you know, once a year crop that is, that's not replicable anywhere else in the world. Right. Just much like, you know, Pinot Noir and Santa Cruz mountains, um, we can grow the, the Santa Cruz sour diesel that, that for years was, was um, very sought after in a different style market. And, um, um, and that's something I definitely look forward to.
2: The regionally specific uh, uh, grows uh, that's something really, really interesting to me. What do you guys think about interstate commerce? Is it going to happen? When's it going to happen? How's that going to change our industry?
3: I think it will happen eventually, um, maybe sooner than we think, and that will make a lot of things more competitive on, on a really large level, especially if international borders open up as well. I honestly see a lot of the, you know, the everyday low price price product sort of shifting into a concentrate kind of a fashion, because right now concentrates are higher priced, but you can grow lots of poor-quality plants outdoors and produce a pretty good concentrate out of that. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of craft spaces or organic, sustainable spaces and niches to fill in that regard. You know, vertical air solutions is definitely giving me a window into
4: the, into the global market. Um, seeing the, the large LPs in Canada, seeing the way that, uh, the East coast in a more kind of industrial space and, and, and I call them kind of pop-up markets, these new markets and in Massachusetts and in, in, uh, Michigan. Uh, not that there is an established cannabis culture there because cause there is, but but there's something about being able to grow cannabis outdoors year round like you can out here in California that are um, almost year round. Right. With a little supplemental lighting um, that has made our market just very, very competitive and, and the learning curve very steep. So um, so, you know in looking at all these spaces, um, it gives me a good outlook of the potential for a, um, you know, for a more federally wide open market um, and what the strengths would be for every region. You know, I think, I think that would be, that would be great for for California. It'd be great for other places where real estate is cheaper and, um, and, and the large scale production of indoor flower can be more streamlined. So um, I think, I think initially when, Things they'll probably even if it goes federal, they'll probably leave it up to the states to uh, to um, you know uh, regulate things within its borders. And and who knows, maybe within the next five years or so, we're able to sell that um, California you know cultural based uh, sour diesel from you know from our natural environment in, in other states.
1: Wow! Thank you all so much, Noni. You did a great job uh, from NCIA's cultivation committee hosting this conversation with Cody and James, thank you both Cody and James for participating in this really awesome discussion. Uh, we're, we've run out of time, Is there where can people find out more information about your farms and anything Noni would like to add about the committee?
4: I as well wanted to extend a thank you back your way. Thank you, Noni, for hosting, and thank you, NTIA, for putting this together. This has been um, great to get Cody and I and our two different perspectives here in the, in the podcast. Um, if anybody is interested in Fog City Farms, obviously these days uh, Instagram is a great place to get in get an eye inside eye into what we're doing and our operations and our team and our uh, our flower from an aesthetic perspective. Um, we are distributing statewide here in California and. Uh, um, and fogcityfarms.org is where you can find us on, on, the, uh, on the internet. So thanks again.
3: Great. Cody? Yeah, we have a website that's uh, smokies420.com. And you can also find us on all the social media sites. And also feel free to reach out to me directly. I'm just codysmokies420.com. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It was a really great opportunity. And um, I really appreciated working with, with all of you guys in the industry and, uh, you know, furthering my education all the time, being a constant learner. Thanks again.
1: Awesome. Noni, thanks again for your great work with NCIA's Cultivation Committee.
2: Thanks guys, this was super fun. I'm Noni from Four Trees Management. You can find us at fourtreesma.com. We're also on Instagram. Thanks so much for your time today and very much appreciate being part of the NCIA's Cannabis Cultivation Committee. We get to do a lot of fun stuff.
1: Awesome, like this podcast, for example. (laughs) Thank you all so much, and thanks everyone for listening. Uh, This has been another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time.